The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling, is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. All right, friends, welcome into another episode of Story World. Steve Schramm here with my boy Al. What's up, Al? Uh... Just doing the podcast. This is this is uh, you know? my this is what I look forward to every week, and then when it's over, I just look forward to the next one. Yeah, man, I'll tell you, it's so weird though. Like, it's a week apart, and we're wearing the same clothes. What are the chances of that? I haven't been changed since. It's been like this every day. <laughs> in fact, in fact, I have not left this very spot. <laughs> it's just been. Uh, <laughs> I just would sit here waiting to Man, go for the next. That's one. kind of crazy. We need it. Like these are really, really corny jokes. We need to come up with some better ones. Anyway. Structural tension. Speaking of that, the jokes keep are... me coming back though. That's that's what keeps me coming to do this. That's all that matters, right? We're our own biggest yes. fans. Absolutely. All right. Cool. Yes. Structural tension. Ah, too much. There's too much tension. We got to clear it out. We got we got to clear it out. So this is going to be the 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 final uh, episode in our series on structural tension. So far, we sort of introduced the topic, what it is, how it came about, um, and then I talked last week about business and marketing and how you draw, you know, can kind of draw people along throughout your your marketing process with campaigns using structural tension and redirection and all that good stuff. And so today we're going to focus on fiction. We're going to focus on really where the whole concept really comes from, which is storytelling and fiction and um, being able to hold the attention of your readers. And so this is not my particular area of expertise, but Fortunately, we have uh, uh, somebody who whose area of expertise this is, and so I have listened to experts before on the subject, and so yes, yes, <laughs> that's, that's my area of expertise on this. Nice. I have heard of conflict; I know it's in each book, and yes. uh, we'll, we'll go from there. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I guess I'll just go ahead and, and take it off. So, yeah, I'll uh, do it. I'll start off uh, first by just kind of running through the couple ways that I think of when I think about creating structural tension. One way, I both are effective in their own way, depending on um, who your readers are. Um, but the second way, I definitely prefer. So the first way is um, revealing something to the reader that the main character doesn't know. Um, so essentially, it would be um say if the main character say if it's a mystery and the main character is a detective and he's in a realm he's looking at all these clues and then like the last line at the end of the chapter you say like little did he know like the killer was in the wardrobe behind him or something and then the next chapter so the next it definitely creates that tension you as the reader think oh my gosh like now like the killer's in the wardrobe and he doesn't even know so it definitely <laughs> creates uh, a very like quick tension it doesn't have to be necessarily that um, that hard hitting it can be something a little bit more drawn out um it's effective in doing that the reason why i don't like it is because i really like writing from the perspective of the character um you know that's that you're telling the story through and so i don't like to reveal 
anything that that character doesn't know. So the reader finds out stuff as the main character finds it out. Um, so even though the first one is effective and it's, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing to use. That's just not my preference on, on doing it. Um, so what it, would be like, what would, can you give me like a sentence? I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Can no, you give good. me like a sentence in the difference between like, like if you were able to take the same concept or the same story or, or, or whatever, and like say a sentence writing the way that you prefer and then a sentence writing this other way would you be able to do that does that make sense would it really be a sentence it would be just a total different way of doing it gotcha which is part two which is what's but uh to kind of go along with the first one though one thing that i think i mean i definitely do i think it's kind of hard to get away from one way you could do it is instead of doing something like that where you were reading revealing to the reader something that the main character doesn't know one way to do that is if you are following two or three different points of view for characters. So um, say if you have a detective and then you have his assistant who's like in the office doing detective work or whatever, you know, looking at these old files, you could ha have his point of view and then he stumble upon something saying, oh my gosh, like we didn't catch the right guy, like the murderer is still out there. But th and then it goes back to the main detective and he doesn't know that, but you as the reader do now because the other main character found out. So that's kind of, that that would be the way that I do it. And I, I definitely will use that method. Um, it's a gotcha. little bit more effective there because then you're not straying from what is known by at least one of the characters. That's just always how I operate. Like I, I whether it's, whether it's a detail or yeah, even if it's a, a simple detail or, or a main um, conflict or whatever it is, um, I don't like my readers to know something that the main characters don't know themselves. It just feels kind of like they're looking at it. I'd rather them look at it from inside the character's mind, which actually goes to my second way. And I, this is um, kind of my preference on creating structural tension um, is, well, I'll read it because I, I like what I read and what I wrote. <laughs> uh, my, my preference for creating tension is internally through the character by placing them into uncomfortable situations and states. Mm. Probably could word that a little bit better. Um, I put uncomfortable situations in states because hopefully your character is developing through the story. And so their state of mind is probably going to change or um, evolve into something different than what it was at the beginning of the book. Um, so what I like about this method is you don't have to have a plot twist or something in or something necessarily plot related to create um, the tension. Like in my first example. Um, if you're revealing something to the reader, typically at that point, it's something where um, you're getting to something very plot related that's going to affect yeah. the character externally. Yeah, Whereas internally, that. like for instance, it, it, so the book that I'm writing right now, I'm about how far away? Like 30,000 words. And I've had a couple like different climax parts in there. I, I, I'm kind of weaving that in. Nothing huge, but just kind of simple. But in between, I'm really working in um, getting into the main character's mind and having him kind of have his own internal contention with what's going on around him. And so yeah. um, some question that brings up is you strengthen the, ten the tension by seeing how the main character feels, what decisions they might or might not make, and then the lingering questions on what the consequences may be. So if you say, okay, so the main character, you know, found, let's just say he's evolved magically a little bit more powerfully he doesn't know how to control it does that mean that he's like going to be terrified and go into hiding and not be able to help 
you know, the other people, or is he going to go crazy and kill all the bad people? And so, um, like viewing it from by being able to see the main character's thoughts and how he's processing it, that kind of creates that lingering tension throughout where you can kind of see potential climaxes that may come. Um, but you just don't know and you're not aware of yet. So, um, and just kind of, it's funny. I just thought of this when Steve and I were talking before we went live here, um, that I had stumbled upon a book. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't finish it and I should have, but I'm um, a book that I got really far into, um, a couple of years ago. And one of the reasons why I stopped it, I do want to go back and rework it at some point, but one of the reasons why I stopped it is because I realized throughout it, I was relying way too heavily on, um, on plot points, creating the tension. And there was really no internal conflict that I was working with with the characters. And so a lot of the in-between climaxes was just getting from point A to point B. And it was just not good writing. Um, whereas now, um, I, hopefully I think I've improved where, um, the characters really provide that push for the readers to to continue wanting to read the next chapter, even though a particular chapter might not have a battle or a fight scene or, you know, a, a big argument, um, at least you can gather more information from the main character, feel a little bit more of their tension and pressure, whatever they're feeling and continue on that journey with them. Um, that's basically, yeah. I think that kind of sums up, um, all of my thoughts, I guess one final thing, um, aside from that is making promises to your reader that kind of gets mm. something in the back of their mind. Um, it can be from the obvious from, okay, chapter two, they're exploring a dungeon and, oh, this character just happened to find like a really cool, like dagger that like glows when he blows on it or something. I don't know. And so he keeps that. And then, you know, the story continues. Well, you made such a big deal out of bringing out, out of, you know, pointing out that weapon. At some point, hopefully you bring that up and, you know, it weaves into the story somehow or does something cool or else there'd be, there's no reason that you, you brought that knife up. Um, yeah. And then there's also subtle ways to do it. Like J.K. Rowling puts a lot of stuff in her books, like from books one, two, all the way up through where finally in the seventh book, you think, looking back even at the first, just subtle things that you would have no idea would come back up and, and it's there. And so um, there's always promises that you put out to your reader, whether you're pointing out to something or a question, um, say that you hint at someone's past, um, but you don't really reveal it fully. You know, something happens and interrupts the conversation or whatever. You kind of get the reader thinking, okay, so obviously that something happened to him when he was a kid or something weird, you know, happened to his friend group or whatever. Um, you know, I really want to see you know, what happens with that and, you know, how that maybe has affected his life. And so just kind of bringing up these promises and questions to the reader creates that own, creates an internal conflict, obviously within themselves, not even having to see it from the main character's perspective, but just them wanting to know and get the answers by the end of the book. So I guess those are just kind of my thoughts on it all. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Like I didn't until I got into marketing and, and, uh, frankly, until I met you and started getting into some fiction stuff, <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize how like character, like how much the characters really matter, right? I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, obviously, the plot matters a great deal. Like, the story has to be going somewhere. But like, as humans, we're so much more interested in how that plot is affecting the character uh, based on 
who the character is and maybe what their faults are, what their flaws are. And it's like always just so interesting to me how like the story in order for the story to be interesting, the characters themselves have to be interesting because if the characters are boring and have no tension, even within themselves, and like one of the books I was reading, the fire and fiction. Um, yes, I'm that nerdy. I read, I read books about how to write fiction so that I can learn how to write better marketing. Uh, figure that one out, but it's true. Um, and it's like I, one of the distinct things I remember him talking about in that book. Uh, I think the author is Donald Mass or Mace. I'm not exactly sure how to uh, say the last name anyway, because it's spelled kind of weird. Um, but uh, it was interesting how he was saying some of the different ways that you could really do this. You could create this tension was even literally even inside of one sentence, like two opposing ideas describing the way a character thinks or acts in the world or both can create enough tension to pe keep people going for the next few pages. Mm -hmm. um, and so even inside of just a single sentence, like you can have so much tension um, and conflict set up that just keeps people moving forward. And that's, that's really right. That's really the idea is the, the thing that storytelling is so great at is the pull. Right, like you should yeah. never have to be pushed along. If you if you have to be pushed into reading a story, then that's no good. Like the story should be pulling you along. You know, one of those that talk about page turners. You know, you can't put yeah. it down, and this that and the other thing. That's that's really where this comes from. It's the tension is so great, and the conflict is there, and the, and the and the people are so interesting that it's just pulling you along through the story, which yeah. I love. So yeah. you made a note just about um how important characters are. I would say, um, I. I, I guess this is probably in, a, in agreement with most people, but I don't know. I could be wrong. I, I would much rather choose um, like very interesting um, and well-written and thought-out characters over a really interesting and good plot. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, if you have both and they can converge on each other, then that's that's obviously that's the goal is to have those two things. But I'd much rather have a really interesting character that I care about um meander through a you know kind of like baseline plot versus the other way and have a really interesting plot but then characters that i just don't care what happens to them because at the end of the day whether yeah. they ever die i'm gonna close the book and be like oh, okay that's neat but if it's a character i care about i'm gonna close the book and think oh wow that's really cool that that character started here and ended there that's i really like how his life ended you know or how yeah you because you can have feelings attached to characters they become real to you but you don't really have feelings attached to a plot you know like yeah it just doesn't work that way um yeah and so that's well, kind of and that's just the one thing that i'm really trying to focus on is um you know writing really good characters and it's it's tough it's going to take a long time for me to get there but yeah i'm starting on it i think one of the things that i remember from on writing um yep. from stephen king I think goes a little bit the opposite direction, although I could be rem remembering wrong, but he talks about how like, you know, ultimately the story is what matters. And, um, um, I, he does talk a little bit more again. Yeah. About plot. But I, I, I even think in that book, he made a big deal about the fact that people make too much a big deal about plot. And it's really just about all, just the story in, in general. Like, he says a lot of his ideas, which actually kind of made it a little bit more practical for me. Cause you know, I'm, I'm I'm dabbling, very much dabbling in the in the fiction writing. Like, I want to do it. I want to do it one day. Like, really do it, but not not today. You know. Uh, but I'm 
thinking about it. It's on the periphery. It's 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 not, you know, anyway. Um, and one of the things that gave me hope that it might be possible uh, to, to even do this one day was that, like, he was talking about how a lot of his ideas for stories literally just start with, with a crazy situation. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, what would happen if, like, trucks came to life and held people hostage? And boom, you got a great book and a made-for-TV movie and, you know, and just whatever. So there's... um. It's it's interesting how how much the story I think the story has to be there. Maybe that's the way to think about it. I think the story has to be there to pique your interest at all. Like I I think it'd be hard to sell a book just based on a character because you don't know anything about the character until you start really reading the book. So the situation and the story really has to like pique your initial interest. But I don't think you'll keep reading it if the characters are not interesting at all. Um, I think you'd have to be pretty highly motivated to get I, to I, the end of it. I agree. There's a switch there. You have to have, you definitely have to, I mean, the characters have to be somewhat interesting, but it's more important to kind of have that initial hook in the story. If people say, okay, this is a story that's going to be interesting. Like, this is a crazy world, or this is, you know, that that's really yeah. neat. But then by the end, you definitely, like, if the characters are boring, people will stop reading it. Like they just exactly, will. and so okay. there, there definitely is a kind of switch by the end of the book where I would even say kind of like a third of the way through, where people have to start really liking the characters. Um, yeah, I would say the only exception that I can think of to this is not not a movie; it's a book, <laughs> or excuse me, not a book; it's a movie. Um, is the is the um, unbearable weight of massive talent? I had no idea what the story was going into that. All I knew is that Nick Cage played Nick Cage, and I was there for it. I mean, I'm re- I was ready there. for whatever they could possibly throw at me, and uh, all along the way, I was I was there. I didn't care what was happening in the story. I just wanted to keep watching Nick Cage be Nick Cage. I need to watch that movie again. It's got a, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, it is. Need, so yep. good. Yeah, now I he's playing a a uh, vampire and uh, yeah, uh, Ren, Renfeld, Renfield, Ren, Ren, Renfield, like yeah. So yeah. that's gonna be man. Oh, it will be good because it's Nicholas Cage, and so <laughs> it's impossible not to be good, right? Well, on that note, on that note, brings us to story of the week. Steve, why don't you take us away? Yeah, so I wrote this down, and I would give credit for where I got this if I had wrote down where I got it from. And the more I look at it, I'm thinking I actually might have just had this as an original thought. So I'll just say it this way. If this is an original thought, cool. If this is not an original thought, I'm so sorry I stole it from you, whoever you are, wherever you are. Please don't sue me. I'm just going to read what I wrote. Once you know what it is that readers want from you and what they value most, giving them more is never going to be a bad thing. No Harry Potter fan ever said, no thanks, J.K. Rowling. I've had enough of the story. When you love something... And when that something fills a void in your life, gives you a positive feeling, answers your questions, keeps you in the know, or makes you feel understood, you will never not want more of it. Um, and I don't know. It's it's I I think it's too good of an insight. I don't think I wrote it, but for the life of me, I just don't know where it came from. Um, but it, I I think there is a when you've got something like that, like like a J.K. Rowling, like a Harry Potter. Um, it, it's like anything you can do to extend the life of the world, the better. And this is where 
to make it a little bit more down to earth, this is where um, um, I'm going to differ with some people because I know there are definitely some people who would disagree with this. When it comes to things like Lord of the Rings, okay? Personally, I am stoked at the prospect of, because I just got into the Lord of the Rings, okay. I'm stoked at the prospect that there's more coming down the line being made even in current times with the current state of the movie industry and et cetera, et cetera. Like I'm here for it, right? Like I'm, I'm excited about things and opportunities to expand the world. Even, and I know this is where the PRS will get mad, but even at the expense of some of the original thoughts or ideas, I think there is a measure of evolution that I'm willing to deal with for the sake of the world being expanded um, and all of that. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just like, like, is there, is there a such a thing? And maybe it's when JK Rowling dies. I don't know, but is there such a thing as a Harry Potter fan who wouldn't be there for more Harry Potter if she yeah. wrote about it? I don't know, you know, but, but, but to me, it seems like if that's become a part of somebody's world, they would want, they would want, uh, more. So anyway, yeah, I agree. I've I've talked to a couple of people who aren't thrilled about hearing about new Lord of the Rings movies being made, but I just I I disagree with that completely. I, I, assuming, let's say the movies are are good, like if they're made with good quality and, and are good stories, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want more? Of that? Exactly. Now, if it uh, so, sucks, then okay, understandable. But but things that suck suck regardless of whether or not you, you know they, exactly. They, you know what I'm saying? So like, I, yeah. I'd still. I still want more of the story, you know, more of the more exploration into the tiny dark corners of that world, you know? And so, yeah, like, why wouldn't you? It reminds me, we did a podcast, an episode a long time ago. I forget which one it was about, but one of the things that I had wrote about marking a good story is being sad when it's over. I, 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 I'm pretty firmly set on that. At least at the very least in my, kind of mindset of epic fantasy where you have you know several several thousand pages you know being being written about you know three four five main characters then you get to the end of it after you know the how many few hundred hours you have spent reading it maybe even more (laughs) at the end of it and you close it you should feel a little tinge of sadness that the characters you spend all that time with is over and so i think that marks like a very good story very good characters yeah i mean a good example for me i literally did this the other day i didn't i knew it was a long shot but i went the other day on amazon looking if i could buy books or anything that people had written about the 24 series with Mm -hmm. jack bauer um i promise you if something right now came out that was jack bauer something related to jack but i would be watching it i would be reading it i would be all about it just because like that's a world that's become so much a part of my life that like, oh, a, a good real practical example. So, of course, it's launching on Peacock, NBC's service that I'm probably not going to subscribe to just for this one thing. Maybe I will for a period of time. Yeah, I don't maybe. know. But um, Monk, they're doing like a like a a, a thing like a. It's either. A movie? I think it is a movie. I think it's going to be like a a movie exclusive to the Peacock platform, yep. reprising all the characters again from from Monk. Monk was that, so good. I was incredible. It was and I've, really good. You know, I've watched through that series twice now, 
And I love it. It's one of those worlds that I feel like at any moment I could just very easily yes. step back into and would be pleased to do so. And they're giving the opportunity to do that. And so, yeah, I mean, will Absolutely. I subscribe just for that? Uh, I'll probably subscribe, watch the thing, and then cancel so it'll cost me whatever, 10 bucks. You know, I've, I've done the law and actually just did that this past week with something. Did you? Yeah, it's just worth it from time to time. Yeah. I don't typically do that, but I see this as something as something I could do. So anyway. Definitely. Um, awesome. Well, your turn. My story of the week is um, a little bit different. So, Justin Roiland, the Rick and Morty creator, have you heard about the stuff going on with him? No, it's uh, I don't know if it was a few months ago or a few weeks ago, but um, he uh, I actually have never really watched Rick and Morty. I know I probably would like it, um, but it's a animated um, adult cartoon, and apparently Mm -hmm. it's just like one of the best. And so, um, he created it and then. A few months ago, one of his ex-girlfriends came out saying that he like abused her, this and that, and and so they you know, said, "Well, he's not working on the show anymore." They cut him out of that work, you know, cast him out, yeah. and then I think this week, last well, I guess yeah, um, the the case was dropped, and basically like she just kind of made it all up, and oh. and um he. Ever since, like, he was accused of it, I think he got off of Twitter. Like, he handled it, like, the best way possible. And at the end, he essentially said, like, hey, like, I'm ready to get my my life back on track. He said, unfortunately, with this stuff coming out, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, people really rushed and judged me and, you know, didn't wait to see. And it just yeah. it makes me sad when that stuff Man. happens, you know? I, I mean... Yeah, me too. And I can see, like, how, like, if a company says, hey, like, with this, like, take a backseat for a little bit, okay? Like, we're not letting right. you go. It's just, this is really serious. So let's just take a back seat. We'll see how it plays out. And then if it plays out where it's something like this, then you can say, okay, like, hey, you know, you know, we're glad that, you know, you, you stepped aside. You were willing to kind of take a breather for a little bit throughout this. You know, we definitely want to welcome you back. But instantly it's just, okay, like, you're gone. And, um, yeah, it's, and it's certainly... just, you just see that a lot. Well, it, it definitely is not in the spirit of innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. That's for sure. Which yeah. for criminal things like this, last I heard, is how it was supposed to be treated. So like if only we would treat it that way in real life. But like with cancel culture and all of that, a lot of times it doesn't really work that way. Um yeah. and it's and all about I, that like initial thing. Like say if say if it was if it if none of this came out until like the verdict. Let's say you saw a news drop and said, Hey, Rick and Morty creator you know, um, was accused of this. And then in the same headline said, but is acquitted and is, you know, yeah. Then people be like, oh, okay, good. But because like initially it happened before verdicts made, it's like, oh, wow. Like, like I can't believe he did this bad thing. Exactly. And and with social media, there's just, there's like no way to really get around that. It just is. Yeah. No. Yeah. It is crazy because people are immediately going to start forming thoughts, you know, based on, based on that so that's just another one of those deficiencies you know in our current society that i think could be fixed um you know it it it, yeah if we just get back to that mindset of okay like it's he said she said at this point and people do make up these sorts of stories it has happened plenty of times before so yeah let's treat him as innocent until proven guilty let's make sure that we do our best to prove him guilty and if he is guilty to charge him thusly but until that point, let's reserve judgment. And, yep. um, you know, the power of uh, what telling a story can do. 
Yo. Oh, yeah. It, it can yeah. be harnessed for good or for evil. Oh, sure. Hopefully we're doing it for good, Steve. Uh, we're definitely doing it for good. <laughs> so don't worry. <laughs> no worries here. <laughs> trust me. We're doing it for trust good. Trust me. <laughs> you can trust us. So Ryan Holiday wrote a book, Trust Me, I'm Lying. It was about uh, when he was uh, as kind of an expose on like the media industry from when he used to work for them and stuff. Anyway. That's fun. Yeah. Kind of interesting. All right, everybody. Thank you for watching. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much. Share it with your friends if you enjoyed it. And um, I don't know what we're going to talk about next. I'm not sure what's up next on the schedule, but whatever it is, I'm excited about it. Yeah. I actually I actually don't know, but we have a lot of subjects lined up. We've got a movie night yep. pretty soon. Um, yeah, so that'll yep. be good. And then, oh, if you're if you're just seeing like this episode is your first one, we got we got a plethora of episodes. So backtrack yeah. and catch up on whenever ones look good. And um, like forty something of them or something like that. Yeah. So oh yeah, we lots. did the time. <laughs> we did the time. We did we did the time for sure. So we just want more and more of you to listen. So go tell yes. your friends. All right, all right, Steve. We'll catch Exciting. you later. All right, cool.